You're listening to the MM Maniacs with Nick David and Matt Kona. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, animals of all varieties, here we are at the MMAniacs podcast. Nick David. Matt Kona. Live via satellite. Live via satellite. This is our first call-in. So uh, Matt got stuck down in Florida. I guess there's much worse places you could be stuck because you did miss a pretty sucky storm. So... um, I am disappointed. I mean, it's nice to, to be here in Florida, but typically if I go away somewhere in vacation in New England, when it's cold at home, I, I relish in all the snow that I'm missing. Unfortunately, the only snow that we got was during when I was supposed to be traveling home, and it completely screwed me over. Is that is that it, why your flight got canceled? Yeah, the flight was canceled, and not only that, I'm supposed to, I was supposed to have flown home on a Friday night so I could attend the Combat Zone 57 event with you, which we'll, we'll hear some clips of later in this episode, including, you should announce it, very cool, exclusive interview. Yeah, very excited uh, that, uh, completely unbeknownst to me, uh, Ryan Couture was at the Combat Zone 57, so um, I'm going to... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll splice in some uh, some of the some of the fights that we called, and you know, there was a lot of different there were a lot of different fighters that were there last night. It was a, a Rodrigo Almeida was there who fights for a World Series of Fighting. Um, uh, Nicholas Alley was there who was supposed to fight for a title at Combat Zone last night, and his opponent had to pull out. It was actually oh, so no. there were fifteen fights slated last night for Combat Zone. And they ended up. And there's with, a, there was a lot of amateur fights, correct? Because there's only a couple of, uh, and there's amateur and kickboxing fights. Right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I saw. I saw three, three kickboxing matches and uh, three amateur matches, and then three amateur MMA matches, and then uh, two professional MMA matches. So there was there was supposed to be fifteen event, fifteen fights last night, and there ended up being eight. Um, because that was how many people backed out for, for various reasons. I know one, one fighter, his grandfather died. One fighter passed out in this, uh, trying to cut weight. And once you pass out, once you pass out trying to cut weight, that's it. You're done. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they lost some because of the, the crappy weather that happened last night. Um, but it was actually a really good turnout. It was a much better turnout than I anticipated, considering all the snow that we got yesterday. Um, it was pretty much a full house. The people over there at Combat Zone are really nice. They really took care of me and uh, uh, Lynn, the, the, the woman who's in charge of all the marketing over there, uh, was really nice. Uh, introduced me to a bunch of folks. Um, we got... Uh, also, last Rick Hahn was there last night, and he said he was going to come over and do an interview, and then he didn't. And then also at the end of the night, um, referee Kevin McDonald came over, and he did like a we did like ten minutes. 
It was a really good little short interview, but right uh, right in the middle of it, or right when we were just about wrapping it up, the lights went out, and I didn't think anything of it because my laptop was in front of me. My laptop was still on. Well, my laptop's on batteries, but when I stood up, when we were getting ready to say goodbye, I looked down at the down at the um, uh, the, the little soundboard that we do all the recording into, and it was off. And I thank God I had already saved the three and a half hours of audio from the night. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> I, I, I started getting nervous as the night was progressing. I was like, oh, God. I, I kept wanting to stop it and then save it and then continue on because of what happened at CES. So we, I don't think we told anybody, but or we might have told people. But when we recorded CES, we recorded like five and a half hours worth of audio and then at the end of the night, I accidentally unplugged the soundboard without having saved it, and it deleted everything. Gone. Yeah. Nothing there. It just goes. Yeah. It just goes to prove you that at MMA events, while typically the lights usually go out inside the cage and people get disconnected, it also happens on the media end as well. Absolutely. But I'm glad to hear that that uh, uh, our Referee friends, Mr. McDonald, will be cool enough to join us uh, on a future episode. So, yeah, so, so that's I, very exciting. I asked him about it last night, and then he said he was definitely down for it because he lives, he's very local to us. He's just in uh, somewhere around Watertown or Waltham, somewhere in that area. Um, so he was totally down for it, and I sent him an email today, and he uh, he's going to get back to me on when we can do it. So keep you posted on that um i also so i asked you the other day because i'm still kind of a twitter newbie if i could message somebody who wasn't following me if i could direct message somebody who wasn't following me on twitter because when i talked to joe lozon uh when i saw him at the naga event and i i i said hey you did a little shout out for our podcast he goes oh yeah he totally remembered you he remembered doing the shout out and I said, we'd love to have you do it sometime. And he said, yeah, just send me a direct message on Twitter. And I was like, all right, great. And I didn't think anything of it. And then I was like looking at Twitter and I was on his page and I was trying to look at how to direct message him and it didn't look like I could do it. So I don't know how he expects me to, he's not, he doesn't follow the podcast yet on Twitter or me personally. So I don't know how he expected me to do it, but. I do have a, I do have a, I do have a, uh, I, uh, there's a slight chance, his, so his son has a, he has a Facebook page for his infant son, um, actually I think he's maybe like, might be more like a toddler now, he might be like two or something, um, but he has a Facebook page for him and I'm friends with Joe Lozon's little baby son, <laughs> so I can send a message for sure directly to that, which I'm sure it's run by Joe Lozon, so... Uh, we'll see if I, I send a message there if we can get him on the. We'll get him on the podcast yeah. eventually, one way or another. I know enough people that know him. I'll, you know, I can call. Yeah, he's got, he's got a martial arts school. They have a phone number. Right, we'll right. Get in touch. Yeah, yeah. We'll I feel f- like this is the Twitter equivalent of a girl giving you a wrong number at a yeah, bar. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly yeah, yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is. Just, just direct message <laughs> me. Sure, asshole. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. That's funny. Oh, man. Well, he's like, yeah, that's so, the best so, way. He's like, yeah, it's definitely that's the best way to get in touch with me. I was like, oh, okay, great. 
Yeah. Well, the best way to get in touch is the way on my terms, God damn it. That's, That's right. what it is. <laughs> well, so there's a lot of exciting things coming up in the world of MMAniacs, and we've just run through all of our technical mishaps and bad things that can happen. So we yes. should be a cautionary tale for all future podcasters who are out there. Um, but... I mean, I, either one, have a backup plan, or two, be very proficient at what you're doing. <laughs> oh, I have a backup plan right now. Well, that's what I I'm mean, saying. The, you, you have a bad, you, that's, that's your cautionary tale. You need to be, you, you, uh, your cautionary tale is have a backup plan. My cautionary tale is be proficient at what you're doing, which I'm, uh, I'm still learning it. I'm still trying to figure it out, so. <laughs> right. Um, but please follow us on Twitter, and that way we can direct message you. Uh, we will follow you back, and, yes. and we got a shout out. Um, I, I may have taken advantage. I was watching. Uh, I'm still, uh, I'm still a professional wrestling fan. So Mauro Ronaldo, this is my first time watching him do commentary on SmackDown, which he's not a full time guy. Of course, Mauro Ronaldo is uh, legendary in terms of he's called Glory Kickboxing. He's been combat been involved Pride. in combat sports for many years. Pride, and, Pride and yeah, he. he not only did he retweet us, but he he uh, sent us a nice uh, thank you for the compliment, which um, yeah, that was exciting. that was very cool and unexpected. I did not. Uh, <laughs> a, I get the messages. Uh, well, we both we share the email account, so I'm sure it popped up on both of our phones. And I looked at it and I was like, Oh, yeah. oh Mauro Ronello sent us a message. <laughs> like how yeah, cool! Nice, <laughs> yeah, random Thursday night uh, occurrence in that fashion. So. All right, Nick, so tell me a little bit about your experience refereeing at NAGA because we we had uh, talked about that a little bit on the last one, I think, because it wasn't a sure thing, but I know that you were down there as well as friend of the show, listener, and outstanding comedian Tim McIntyre. Yes. So take, tell me a little bit about the experience. Take me through the day. I know you had to get there super early in the morning to get ready. Yeah, well, I had so... It was a two, it's a two day thing, so you have to go down on Friday, and it's every all hands on deck. You don't you're not just refereeing. So you get down there, you unload the truck, you set up all the tables and the chairs and all of the mats and all of the t-shirt racks, which they have literally like fifty different styles of t-shirt for Naga. So there's like uh you know I mean everything. They have Star Wars themed ones and um, there's just a ton of different Naga shirts. So anyways, so you have to set all that stuff up and then, uh, that's the first day. Then the second day you get there early, you do all the registration stuff in the morning. So you're, as a ref, you have to, you have to check off everybody's, you, you actually kind of, uh, grill people as they're coming out because you want to weed out any sandbaggers. So you have a list of all, like people that have won, uh, various grappling competitions at various weights. So you have this, uh, you have this list that you can check against people, which you don't really reference unless you get like a suspicion. Um, but you, you know, you ask them a bunch of questions like how long have you been training? Who, who do you train with? Do you have any wrestling experience? Because if, if somebody comes in and they are a white belt in jujitsu, but they have, uh, four years of high school wrestling and then four years of college wrestling if we if they come in in the nogi they're going to be in, in an advanced division 
they're not going to be able to come in at the uh, novice or the beginner divisions. You know, uh, just because you they, didn't have to bust anyone, did you? Um, I no, nah, it's not it's not really bust, but you just you there were just a couple of times where I had to go. Uh, you know, due to your due to your um your experience, I'm going to have to put you up into I'm going to have to put you into intermediate because you're beyond beginner, you're beyond novice, you're beyond. You know, they would come in as a as a novice, and I would go. Nah, you're you're definitely an intermediate. You've you've competed at beginner. You've gotten you know you've there's been two different. You ask them if they competed at other competitions. Okay, well, how did you do? Okay, well, I won one at beginner, and then I took second in another, and then I took second in another. All right, well, you've pretty much wiped out the beginner division in your weight class, so you're going to have to, or, or, or you're going to have to move up to intermediate. So there's, there was a, just a couple of times where I had to do that. Um, so you do that, and then, uh, then you head over to the tables and you start refing. I didn't get on the mats this time. I sat at the table and I took notes and I kept score. So when the ref throws up, you know, four points for blue. I put four points on the, on the, uh, I don't know what you call that. Uh, yeah, the scorecard. Score, score right. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a little portable scoreboard. And I have a little controller in front of me and I can input stuff on the table. So, uh, you know, I, I paying attention and then after the match is over, the, they, they paired me with the most experienced ref that they had who was the head ref for the whole competition. Uh, a guy named Ryan Cook. Shout out to Ryan Cook. He was really, really good to work with. Just answered all my questions and was, um, you know, just very helpful and and really just wanted to to uh, do everything he could to teach me as much as he could. And it's, uh, you know, I I talked to him and I talked to some of my other friends that ref for him and I talked to the owner Kip Caller afterwards and. You know, he said, well, how did you like it? I said, well, I really enjoyed it. I said, I didn't get on the mats at all. I said, well, why not? I said, I said, you know, I just really don't want to, I really want to be confident in what I'm doing and I'm not confident enough in it. And I said, the next time I show up, the next nag I come to, I'll be confident because there's a 120 page book, then there's another 40 page book, then there's like a 15 page book. So there's, almost 200 pages worth of stuff that you need to read about. Um, And so I got about halfway through it before I had to go to the competition. And I tried to read some in my hotel. I was there and it was, you know, we we didn't really have time. We were there late setting up and, uh, you know, I had about an hour before I had to go to bed and get up in the morning. So um, he said, he said, well, it's when I was talking to Kip at the end of it, he said, well, that's, actually kind of refreshing because a lot of a lot of times guys come in and they go i'm fine i know i'm a, i'm a brown belt i'm a purple belt i know what i'm doing uh just put me in there and they go in and then they you know they they screw up a lot or whatever but it's he said it's right. kind of refreshing to have somebody that's con- that concerned about um you know because i don't people are coming it's not a cheap thing it's a hundred bucks to enter one category and then it's like 20 20 to 30 bucks for each additional category. So if you enter four categories, you're looking at you know what you're looking at 200 bucks or something like that. So 
you've you've driven down from let's say Portland, so you're a three hour ride down. Maybe you came down the night before and stayed in a hotel. So there's a so so you you spent forty dollars in gas. You got a hotel for a hundred and twenty bucks. Now you're hundred and sixty bucks in. You're in you're in four divisions. Now you're another two hundred dollars in. Uh, so you know the, it adds up. The money adds up, and I want to I I want to give everybody the best possible chance to get their money's worth. You know, if they lose, absolutely. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't want to be the person that screws them up and costs them. Their turn. I'm sure that they appreciate but, it, and it's, it's it shows that there's uh, that you take it as seriously as if you were participating. Because if you were participating, and a guy who had only read half the rule book ends up being in charge, you would be probably pretty upset. So uh, right. I'm if glad he, that if, you handle it like that. Yeah, there's so much more to learn. And one thing that I, I meant to mention earlier. Um, when you're talking about a good job that CZMMA does, I encourage everyone to check out CZMMA.com because not only can you learn more about their roster and their upcoming events, but there's like a, a little bit of a once-over for the unified rules for some, some people that might be interested who um, it, it gives a little bit about amateur and but anyway, I mean, granted, that's very different than grappling, and there's much more intricate stuff on there. But just for those of you who are interested in learning more about the rules and events when it comes to different combat sports, it, they're not always hard to. They're not always easy to find. I, I actually ordered a booklet, and it's I think it's still even a little bit out of date, but just a, a referee handbook and. Yeah, I can imagine that there's so much more to learn. So I appreciate the time that you took to get to learn that, and I'm sure that the participants do as well. Now, do you know when the, there's an, another event coming up? And so, is there stuff that you're taking? Are there courses or workshops that are available for those who are interested that you know about? So it's basically on-the-job training. There's... uh you you go there and they have you know there's they they do some stuff there like beforehand they'll have a they'll have a referees meeting and you can ask a lot of questions and um but they don't I think they might they, somebody had talked about them doing some kind of workshops before but I don't think they do them anymore um but the next event I'm actually doing uh in Albany New York and it's the it's the first week of next month I think it's uh like it's March fourth and fifth or March fifth and sixth one of those. Uh, it's a Friday, Friday slash Saturday up in, in Albany, New York. So, so will you be staying there uh, Friday and Saturday? Because not to put any pressure on you, but that there's quite a big fight going on on the fifth. That's that's McGregor Dos Anjos that yeah, night. Yeah, I know, I know. It was a, it was really tough. To, I was like, ah. They were like, "Can you no, do it?" I was like, it. "I was like, yeah, I can. I'll be there in Albany. I'll have to, I'll have to watch it in my." hotel room afterwards or okay uh, i, I just want to make sure that you were able to watch it at, at least yeah uh, i think we'll i think we got out of there before like somewhere like hmm, i don't know somewhere between 10 and 11 o'clock um that's what time the competitions end at well no that's what time uh, the competitions end closer to like eight but you have to break everything down and put it all back in the truck. Of course, so, right. So there's, you know, the breakdown goes a little bit faster than the setup. So that's that's yeah, one yeah. one uh, saving grace of the whole thing. <clears throat> and it was, 
it was really super cold that day and it was a giant there was a giant bay door and we all had to stand by this door and wait as we were trying to load stuff in and so it was free <laughs> it was freezing that day yeah um, that's not fun but I was just going to say that people don't realize how much work goes into setting up all these events especially most of them are unpaid a lot of people are paying money just to get there for love of the sport and to to give back to it. I mean, we're not getting paid for for doing this podcast. That, and that's like the littlest tiny example. I mean, I set up my video recorder. You set up your your audio mix, and we put it online. It's nothing like setting up mats, tables, chairs, breaking it all down, sweeping, right. cleaning, feeding people, keeping people hydrated, making sure there's medical staff on hand. There's a million things that go into this. And yep. it's kind of cool to get a little bit of a glimpse uh, behind the scenes of it all. But I, 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 too, will have a busy day on March 5th. And nothing compared to the hard work that you're doing. I'm just doing 10 minutes at a VFW hall in Shrewsbury and then jumping in the car and driving very fast back to Boston <laughs> to, to watch the fight. <laughs> yeah, just, um, but, right. I mean, the, but that's interesting. I'd like to come up. Maybe not. Maybe not all of it. We'll see. But sometimes on the line, I know you're. I'd like to shadow you, shadowing the referees, and kind of get a, a, a glimpse more into that angle of of the fight business. Yeah, I think game. I think you'd enjoy it. And there's a lot of you know. There's a lot depending upon where you go. There's usually always a couple of you know major MMA fighters there. Like when I was down there at, at Naga. Uh, Joe Lozon was there, and Gabriel Gonzaga was there, um, and I, I think there was a, I think there was one or two other. Fighters. Yeah, because these fighters wear different hats. They're trainers. They work right. with guys. Yep. They, they have schools. They corner people, and just just they're they're also fans. They're, they're, they would have yep. got into it if it wasn't for that. Yeah, well, so. I, I, they both. <laughs> so I so I had to uh, at one point I had to admonish Joe Lozon. <laughs> Uh, it felt so strange doing it because, uh, but you can only have one ref. Um, you can only, not one ref, you can only have one coach sitting up, yeah. up next to the, and, and Joe came over and he, he ended up cornering a couple of people at my mat. And so he came over with one of his other, one of the other teachers at his school, one of the other trainers, and they were, they were both coaching the person on the mat. And I said, guys, you can only have one, you can only have one coach over here. And I was like, shit. I just, I just had to give Lowe's on the business. <laughs> You're giving Lowe's on the business. Yeah, hey, yeah. Nick, I think I just figured out why he doesn't follow us on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> might be it. <laughs> I think he's holding a grudge. Yeah. I gotta say, Joe Lozon was very nice to me when I met him at the Metro PCS at, at UFC Fight Night Boston, which, by the way, I don't think I discussed. But um, so I went to the PC, Metro PCS. They did a few events uh, around that that weekend, and this is a really small location in Dorchester, and there was a few diehards, and there's some people who were visiting from out of the country, and they, um, but the, my favorite thing was I was trying to pull some of the people, uh, fans of UFC, who they thought was going to win that weekend, and in the fights, and several people picked Joe Lozon. Oh, right, yeah, you was, did tell me that. He wasn't fighting. He was not participating, so there you go. <laughs> it was good, good fun, good crack, as the Irish say, as as the Irish 
fighter of the year, Conor McGregor might have said, and uh, thanks, by the way, that, that, that just happened fairly recently. You, you pointed me to the acceptance speech oh, yeah. that, that Conor recorded, I believe, while driving around the streets of Dublin in his futuristic Batmobile-looking car, yes. uh, where he, he kind of called Half out Mauricio Verdum. Do you think, a do you, pussy. What do you, what do you he think? called him a pussy. <laughs> he did call him a pussy. Hey, he, he called Fabricio Verdum a pussy because he had a hurt toe for pulling out of the fight. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think what do you what do you what do you think about that? Do, 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 do you if you granted? It, I'm not asking you to put yourself in Fabricio Verdum's shoes, but come on, he wouldn't take a short notice fight against Stipe Miocic, but he said that. If he still would have fought with that injury if it was against Velasquez. What do you make of that? Uh, I don't... It doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Velasquez is a much tougher fight, to, in my eyes, than Stipe Miocic. I think, mm-hmm. I think 10 out of 10 times, if the two of them fought, that Cain Velasquez would whoop Stipe's ass. But I'm a, you know... Wait, wait, wait! You, no, you mean Verdum would whip Stipe's ass? Cause no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, what a tougher, a tougher fight would be for uh, Verdum. I'm saying, I'm saying Velasquez is a yes. much tougher fight for Verdum than Miocic. Right. I'm saying. I don't know if I agree. With, I, I, I think Stipe looks really good, and I think that. Think about it, though. Kane has only been in the octagon. Once in the last two years, mm. and that was the UFC 188 demolishing by Verdum. And granted, there could have been other factors because of the uh, conditioning. His cardio wasn't quite at altitude. He got to Mexico City two weeks early. Right. But, I mean, there's, well, Verdum had been there for like three months acclimating. Yeah, so. and he previously fought there. That's where he won the interim title, where he was originally supposed to fight Kane after their a tough Latin America season right. where he ended up uh, defeating Matt Mark Hunt for for the interim title. Right. But, I mean, do you t- what do you see for the, the, the future of King Velasquez? Do you see him challenging for that title? Because who knows? He says that oh, his that back fight, surgery... That, oh, he says he needs back... See, I haven't read that. He said he needs back surgery? Yeah, Velasquez had back surgery, and he says it's okay. I mean... That's still a pretty major thing. It's going to be, I'm not sure what the exact nature of the surgery, nor do I know the um, recovery time, but it's been a really long time. I mean, this their fight took place in May. I believe it was May. It could have been June, but I'm pretty sure that they fought in May, and now it's March, or I'm sorry, now it's February, I think, and, and UFC has to squeeze in some pay-per-views before then. And it hasn't been confirmed yet, but I think that Verdum will face Stipe on a full camp at what would be UFC 198 in Brazil. Oh. Right. But what's next for what's next for Velasquez? I mean, do you see him? Would you put him against Ben Rothwell, who looked? Who became the first person to truly submit Josh Barnett? In 19, know, it's been he, like 19 years, I think they said. Yeah, and and, and his last submission, it, 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 he tapped out because he, he separated his shoulder against Krokov and Pride. 
but it's a little bit different. He got he got oh, go-go choked. Yeah. The go-go team. People call it the go-go guillotine. It's essentially a guillotine with ten fingers, mm-hmm. and you put pressure on the Adam's apple. And we saw him first apply that choke against Matt Nitrione. Well, then people, again, are, people are trying to figure out what that choke is, and people are speculating what it is. And I've, I've seen some videos with Henner Gracie where he's speculating about it, but he, even he, at the end of it, says, I wish that Ben Rothwell would apply it to me so I could see, you know, because he still doesn't know exactly what it is. And I, just by weird freak happenstance, just by, yeah. the, stra- just by the strangest of things, um, I was in Chicago last week doing a bunch of sh- shows, playing music, and I was trying to find a place to train. And my the one of the guys I was playing with, his barber, is a purple belt. Uh, his name is uh, uh, Donnie Villanueva. So shout out to Donnie. Uh, Donnie is a purple belt under Luis Claudio. And uh, so I talked to Donnie and figured out a class to go to, and I ended up going to the class. Uh, and I had I had actually been texting Louise um, before that, and he was in New Jersey with Rothwell. So he was Rothwell's jujitsu coach. He's the guy that showed Rothwell the go-go choke. So I just happened to be at that school the next day, and it was the first day that Louise was back from New Jersey. And so I got to talk to him about it, and he was talking about how his phone has been ringing nonstop. <laughs> Since that fight and everybody, black belts from all over the planet are calling him up going, what's this go-go choke? Tell me about this go-go choke. And he's like, he's like, fuck you, man. That's exactly, he's like, fuck you, man. I'm, I'm not, I'm not showing anybody anything. That's their secret. That's their secret little thing, but it's their, you know, it's, it's, uh, no, I do. From, yeah, from, well. from from Henner Gracie, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't going to ask because <laughs> obviously they're they're guarding that secret right now. I don't know how long they'll keep it guarded for, but I don't, um, I don't think it's that well guarded because if you watch the the Rothwell did talk about it after the fight to Ariel Hawani and he, and he he put him in it. He said he put it in five oh. percent, and Hawani said his Adam's apple felt that it was going to burst out of his neck. Now, wow. now if you if you've seen people tap from choke submissions, it looks nothing like the way that Matt Mitrione and Josh Barnett tapped. They tapped in a panic, right. a frenzied panic. I, my, I mean, listen, I don't like the, not, not that it incidentally happens or anything, but if you've ever been struck in the Adam's apple, it hurts. Never mind having your neck built, bent down in a guillotine choke or this guy that looks like a he looks like a combination of a, a serial killer and a comic book monster <laughs> folding folding your torso in half putting his and he weighs he has to cut weight to get down to 265 to make the heavyweight limit he probably weighs much more than that on fight night I can't imagine and, and Barnett is a tough dude never been submitted yeah. with yeah, I mean, traditional he... submission before and he looked he did not get up for a while he did not look happy no, he right. wasn't. I mean, he's he's a bad, bad submission dude. He he fought in the last couple of uh, Metamoris, and the last one he submitted Henner Gracie, and the one before that, uh, he submitted Andre Galvao, which is like, I mean, that Galvao's at the top of the submission game. So that was that was pretty pretty crazy. Um, 
but I, I, I watched the, I watched the Henner Grace, so to, so bringing Henner Gracie up for a different reason. He had a video, they do these, the thing they call them a Gracie breakdown or something like that. Um, and he'll, he'll record some videos inside of their dojo and they'll talk about different fights and explain, uh, what they would have done or what they didn't do or what they speculate happened. Um, but one of the things he was saying was that, and, uh, you know, and I, I realize this too, is that when he's applying that front choke, that cage is what cost Barnett the match. If they were in the middle of the octagon, he could have uh, he could have easily uh, flopped back on his back and not been submitted. But that cage kept him. You know, he was pinned up against that cage, and that's why uh, he couldn't go anywhere. He had nowhere to go. That um, was a very surprising, shocking ending. I, I never saw that coming in a million years. Um, Absolutely, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, but we're, we're, I'm trying to take us off track because there's it splits into like five different conversations. Your trip, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is stuff. But my yeah. my initial question uh, is: if in fact Stepe gets thank the you, camp, thank you for wrangling. You're very you're a good wrangler. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if Stepe if Steve gets a, a full camp and, and he gets and he's essentially taking the place of Velasquez now. Presuming that they do, you'll see 198 as as that with the main event. Do you think that if Kane comes back healthy sometime after that, it will be Velasquez against Rothwell to, to be the new number one contender? Hmm. Uh, because yeah. what else yeah, is there yeah, in the heavyweight? I, I mean, I could see that. Here, here's the weird thing about the heavyweight division is an anomaly. It's it's such a it's such an up and down like you get guys that you know a few years ago we were writing Ben Rothwell off just like a few years ago we were uh writing off um Arlovsky Arlovsky uh thank you I That's think we're writing him off again now unfortunately yeah, but, yeah. I, I but, but it's but it's it's a really tough division to stay on top of it's a Absolutely. real. There's so much. There's more turnover in that division than any other division. It's a real. And, yeah, especially even look at the champion Fabricio Verdum. He's had he's had a checkered past as a heavyweight. Yeah, like he hasn't been able to sustain it, and it's, it's tough because anything can happen with these guys. One punch, and that's why we say Kane is one of the greatest of all time. But I'm saying he hasn't fought in two years except for that one fight. Where he really did get smoked by Verdum, and it wasn't just that he got submitted; he was getting battered in that fight. Yeah, he's Knees, getting, he's getting lit the fuck up. That is for show. He was getting and then, getting and, it and then there's to guys him. like yeah, Mark Hunt, and and, and 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 I don't think that Mark Hunt is a contender. Nor do I think that that's the case for Roy Nelson. But it's it's just. Who's going to be there? I think everyone's just sort of biding their time until John Jones makes his debut as a heavyweight, and then things get more interesting because still, there's he, he's the guy that likes to engage, and you know, he, he's going up against heavy hitters with irons for hands. Uh, anything can happen. I mean, I think that's one way that, that you beat the king, but. I'm just saying, for, for my money, right now, uh, it, it looks like they're going to give... They've already said Stipe will get the next shot. I think that that happens. 
But if Kane is healthy, I mean, I'd like to see him against Ben Rothwell. And then the big question marks are Alistair Overeem. Will he resign or will he go the Benson Henderson route and jump ship and chase that money in Bellator? Yep. And, uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, it's, uh, you can, there's, there's a lot of equity and glory too. Uh, and I mean glory in the actual definition of not glory kickboxing. <laughs> There's a lot of equity and glory in like being able to be the champion. And I think that there's nobody over at, uh, just like I think there's nobody over at, uh, at Bellator that's gonna, that are, is gonna be able to beat Henderson. I don't think there's anybody over at Bellator that's going to, that would be able to beat uh, Overeem. So, so they could definitely be champions over there. Now, but I think with, with Henderson, it's a little bit different since he spent the better part of the tail end of his, his run with the UFC bouncing between lightweight where he held the belt and welterweight. Right. Mostly so, lightweight. He, mostly lightweight. It, it has been mostly lightweight. You're right. But yeah, he knocked out Brandon Thatch at welterweight. And that was a pretty big, uh, David and Goliath type of moment. Um, he he was on Ariel Holani uh, the MMA hour where he he actually made the um, the announcement and he didn't even know the name of Bellator's lightweight champion. I don't, I don't think that was right. a Connor. I don't think that was a Connor esque. Uh, right, you think it was genuine? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I think you think it was, was genuine? <laughs> yeah, he he thought he was. He knows he's just going to be fighting best. So. Put him in there, and and he'll be making his debut uh, in April, which is pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to that to see where it goes. But I mean, I don't want I want Bellator to be competitive, and they're competitive on the free agent market. But they're also doing these for like they just signed Chris Lieben out of retirement. I saw that too. Yeah. I mean, they 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 claim to be building from the ground up, but. Uh, you know, they're still pulling people off the scrap heap in, in, in some ways. And, and not, I mean, in no way am I saying that's the case for Henderson, but uh, but I am thinking that they don't want to him, him to come in and just kill everyone in that division. They want to see competitive fights, and they want to pull eyes to, to their product. So it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, they, they got Phil Davis, and he only had two fights so far in Bellator and they were both in a tournament. Yeah, he, he, looked looked, amazing. he looked, he looked he amazing. Looked, oh, absolutely. World's better than the competition that he was facing. And he was supposed to face uh, King Mo Lawal in the, in the finals. And he had to pull out due to an injury. And I don't know if that will happen because I think that, that Davis is going for the title next, but uh, I think there's a lot of money in him versus King Mo. I'm not sure if Mo wants that to happen because he is now, he's also splitting his time in Ryzen where he won their heavyweight tournament. So there's just so many different directions that, that the stars of Bellator are being pulled in. And you don't want to see, uh, I'm using a, a wrestling analogy, but back when I was a kid and I was watching, I would watch WWF superstars, and you would see the Ultimate Warrior, but he would fight guys like Barry Horowitz and just beat their ass in, in a two-minute time span. And that's maybe a little bit exciting for the fans to see. But they don't want that. They want to see something competitive. Right, you think right. that there's, 
there's just a, a, I don't know, I mean, I think that things can certainly change uh, in an instant as whether it's fighters getting caught from the UFC due to USADA, which Bellator is not governed under, or it becomes a sponsorship thing, which I think may have played a factor in Henson's decision. Oh, it definitely but, did. I mean, he, he said he said as much. He said he said he said that, and uh, he said it was the sponsorship deal. It was the fact that he could box and kickbox, uh, and the money was comparable or better than what the UFC was offering. So he was yeah, going to get he was going to get either either the same deal as the UFC, but he was going to have all these other freedoms to make other money. Um, right, and I think the big thing that one of the main things was that the UFC's the deal that they. And granted, they didn't publish it, but Dana White came out and said it was more incentive-based. It would have paid him more than Bellator if he went back and fought for the title. But that's easier said than done, especially since UFC is the one making the bookings. So, <laughs> you know, if the guy's doing well, it's still up to them. It's still their decision to give him that title shot. And... This, it wasn't going to happen, at least not in the, the near future. I mean, the guy is in his early thirties, so I think. I, I also wonder. Move. I also wonder if this doesn't scare the UFC a little bit, because this is the first like superstar. I mean, Henderson is a superstar in the UFC, and he's the first that has on his own made the decision to peace out. You know, everybody yeah. else is either been retired or they were cut by the UFC and then they went over to Bellator. This is the first guy right. whose and, and contract Phil was Davis up. Phil Davis wasn't cut. Yeah, Phil Davis wasn't cut, but he did leave on a losing streak. So, yeah, this is the first one where, I mean, Henderson may invented his last two fights. He's coming fresh off of uh, bringing the UFC to Korea for the first time, so he does have the big international appeal if yep. Bellator chooses to, to move him that way. But yeah, you're absolutely right. This is Benson Henderson is the first legit superstar, former champion, and he's he's a big deal. And I hope that it I hope that it helps grow Bellator. But I just want it. I just want to see competitive fights, and I, I want to see. I just want to see the, the sport of mixed martial arts I succeed. Would, I would I would like to see some more people venture over into Bellator. And it was, and forced the hand of the UFC to take care of their fighters a little bit more. Because, uh, you know, we keep seeing all these articles about people getting underpaid and, uh, you know, not making what they should be making or fighters that have been around for so long that are making a penance of what, uh, like a brand new fighter is making. You know, like the people keep comparing it to like a Sage Northcutt who has, was it three fights or four fights? Three, yeah, three, three yeah, fights three, in the UFC. Three fights in the UFC, and he's making more than guys that have been around for eight, nine years in the UFC. And there's mm-hmm. a here's a here's an article. It's a short article. It'll probably take me a couple minutes to read it, but I just want to read this to you. It's about Roy Nelson. Okay, but can I just point out one thing? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure, I, sure. I just I know that people, yeah, people are, are upset. He, he got paid forty grand show money. Um, in his second fight, was actually which I was in attendance for, that was at uh, Nami Yunus Van Sant um, two days before UFC 194. But I mean, he is right. probably the modern equivalent 
of a YouTube sensation, and not right. only because they discovered him on YouTube on Dana White's Looking for a Fight, which is a show exclusively that can be found on YouTube, but I mean, he's got looks. He's he's got appeal. He's 19 years old, and uh, personally, I I'm a big fan. I think he's got ability. I think he's going to be a huge star. I think he's going to be a giant star. And I think uh, you know, I was I was very disappointed in his loss. Um, I felt like that was, uh, you know, uh, a two months worth of white belt level uh, jujitsu required in order to defend against that choke. Uh, having said that, I don't. I'm not mad at him about it. I'm mad at his trainers because uh, he he should have never got caught in that. Having said that, I don't. I'm not. I'm not mad at the kid. I don't. There's a lot of hatred towards him. There's a lot of people that are shitting yeah. on him. Yeah. I don't have. I don't have any of that. I think anybody. You know. I think if you're stepping in the octagon, if you're stepping in the ring, uh, yeah, you get it. You get some respect that way. And then he conducts himself. You know, he's a he's a he's a genuinely nice kid. Um, yeah. And he's, he's and he's almost. A, He's almost trolly enough with how polite he is, calling yeah. everyone yeah. sir and ma'am. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> insane, and it's kind of funny, and I think it's just one element of why I like him so much. I mean, I like Conor McGregor for being overly confident, and some people say bordering on arrogance. Sage Norka is almost the complete opposite of that, even after being demolished. And fellow fighters coming out, talking shit, Fuck you! And like that, that really disappointed me. Especially to see guys like Carlos Condit say that it really kind of surprised me and rubbed me the wrong way. But um, yeah. anyway, what did, what did and people calling up—I I don't remember—but he, he was one of the, the people, as well as Tony Ferguson, who yeah, kind of called him a Tony bitch. Ferguson was pretty sure. That's, that's, that, that's the thing, and and he came out afterwards, and there is medical documentation saying how sick he was. He was on antibiotics, right, and. Even, even, granted, Joe Rogan, I think, to remind the boss as well, saying that is the definition of a quick tap. Because you don't know what you are. The guy was, Bam Bam was driving his shoulder into the right. throat. I don't well, care what, here's what, jo- here's what, side. here's what Joe Rogan knows. Joe Rogan knows if he was in that position, he's never fucking tapping. Joe Rogan knows that he's, that he's net, he's gonna be able to, to adjust his hips because he still has one leg in there. He's still in half guard. So you can still control yeah. the guy's hips. So you can move around enough to create space. Um, Joe yeah. Rogan, Joe Rogan knows by being in that position a thousand times that he's never tapping from that fucking choke ever. So that's yeah. what he's going on in his brain, but he's a black belt in jujitsu. So right. that's and where he he's yeah, and stage is not. Yeah. Right, so that's where he's coming from. Sage is like a blue belt in jujitsu or something. So, yeah. so you know that's where that's where he's coming from. And that's where he what he's where he's talking about. So he, maybe he threw him under the bus a little bit. But I, if the sound was off, I felt the exact same way. Everything that Joe Rogan was saying was how I felt, and I was disappointed. But like I said, I'm not I'm not mad at the kid. I'm not shitting on him. Yeah, um, and I I'm think just saying that you. I'm just saying it's, it's it's hard. It's easy to just put someone, put yourself in someone's shoes when you don't know what's going on inside their throat. You don't know how well right. they can breathe. So, um, all right. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt. Here's the thing: is I, I, I don't. I have no doubt in my mind that he probably couldn't breathe, but he should have been able to. That's the point right. that I contest. 
is yeah. is he he let himself be choked out because there's a, there's twenty things you could have done to get out of there, um, and mm-hmm. and little little micro adjustments to defend yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, having said that, so I, when I, I was watching that same uh, Henner Gracie breakdown, he broke down that choke and he was applying that choke to another. I think he was a brown belt. Um, and the guy, you know, he was, he was defending, he was defending Sage Northcutt and he was showing how the choke would be applied. But again, the brown belt was just lying there, not doing anything, which is what Northcutt was doing. So if you're lying there, not doing anything, you could probably apply enough pressure to choke somebody and they're going to tap out because they don't know what they're doing. But I'm telling you, if that brown belt was defending against that choke, that brown belt's not getting choked out by Hunter Gracie in half guard. So. Um, so okay. I don't, so I don't, so all the Sage Northcutt stuff, I don't have a problem with the money he makes. What I have a problem with is that he's making way more money than guys that have been around for so much longer. Not that he needs to make any less money, but all these other people should be making more money. That's the point I'm trying to make. It's disappointing that you see a guy three fights in. I get it. I get all of it. I understand the marketing. I understand he's very marketable. I get all that stuff. Having said that, it's a bummer to see him against going uh, against somebody like Roy Nelson, and he's making more money than Roy. So that brings me to this article, and I'm just gonna. It'll probably take me about two minutes to read it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read the whole thing to you. Uh, and, Wait, where do where do where's the article from? I don't want to. Uh, so this get is any, any uh, Florian situation going. <laughs> so this is uh, on the website that I shit on all the time. It's ENT Imports. <laughs> this is the one that I shit on uh, before, but I, it's on several websites. Um, but this one that I just happened to pull up was on um, uh, ENT Imports, and it doesn't it doesn't list the it only lists the the author as Matthew from Roar. Is this is this, um, is this your favorite import export slash mixed martial arts website? What the fuck kind of name is that? Right. No, this is the one. Remember, I was telling you we were having this discussion before, and I was talking about. I it. remember. I didn't okay. remember you telling me the name of the website. All, All right. right, no more interruptions from me. Go okay. ahead, read it. You uh, the author's name? It, it's it just says Matthew at Roar, which is R O A R, all capital letters. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. It, so they're just reposting this article, and they don't have the proper. Uh, they don't have his name. It's just Matthew. So. Okay. Here it is. Uh, this all isn't right. all right. This isn't a fighter pay debate article that we see every second day. This is a story of a 39-year-old man with a wife and a child. It's a story that made me feel sick. This is the sad truth. Roy Big Country Nelson is a fan favorite for the UFC. While he may not be the most aesthetically pleasing man to look at in MMA, with his non-athletic frame and caveman-like beard, he has managed to capture the hearts of media and fans all around the world. Nelson has grown his fan base into the 10th largest social media following on the UFC roster with 508,000 followers on on Twitter. He has 200,000 more than Carlos Condit and 50,000 more than BJ Penn. Wrap your head around that for a second. I'm I'm off script here. Wrap your head around that. 508,000 followers. Uh, So uh, 50,000 more than BJ Penn, which should give you an idea of how popular Nelson has become. He surely isn't the best fighter on the planet, 
but he's never been ranked worse than 13th in the heavyweight division and has given us some knockout finishes that will forever on the, uh, that will be forever on the highlight reel. The sad story begins on the night of April 27th, 2013. Roy Nelson had just won the biggest win of his life. In devastating fashion, he knocked out Chet Congo in the first round, becoming a force in the UFC with three consecutive first-round knockout victories. With one fight left on his contract, he was looking for a considerable pay raise from his 24K and 24K salary. So 24 show, 24 win. Uh, two months later, the UFC asked Nelson to take a short-notice fight against Stipe Miocic. In a bid to save the dreadful card at UFC 161, uh, Rashad Evans versus Dan Henderson, Nelson decided that he would take the fight and be one of the, quote, company men that Dana White says he loves. This meant he would fight twice in two and a half months for the UFC. Nelson went on to lose that fight by decision to Miocic. I can never say his name right. Miocic, 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 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, who is now the... Uh, Nelson went on to lose that fight to Miocic, who is the second-ranked heavyweight in the world right now. This had Nelson going into contact negotiations 3-1 and one in his last four fights. Three consecutive first-round finishes and a Miocic loss. The fight he took as a, uh, the fight he took as a, uh, so three consecutive first round finishes and a Miocic loss. The fight he took as a favor to the UFC in efforts to save the UFC 161 card. These are Dana White's words when asked if there was any thought about not re-signing Nelson. Uh, no, not really. We wanted Roy. We were going to sign Roy anyway. It's not like we were like, quote, oh Roy, you lost, now you're fucked, buddy. We don't do that. Uh, we don't play like that. So uh, then it says this, I think, kind of sarcastically. White is such a good guy for saying that. Uh, they gave Roy a 0% increase in his pay. Since August 7th, 2010, Nelson has increased his salary by 11K per fight. 26K and 26K is what he's currently making. Nelson has headlined cards for three out of the past four... Uh, for three out of his past four fights. UFC is using his name and recognition all around the world to earn profits. The UFC fight night card Antonio uh, Rodrigo Noguera versus Nelson earned the UFC alone $1.8 million in gate. Noguera's salary was ten times more than Nelson's. I was unable to find Josh Barnett's versus Nelson and Mark Hunt versus Nelson's numbers because international events... Often don't release that information, but I can assume that those also generated millions. The UFC are using Roy Nelson's name all over the world to lure in fans while paying him pennies on the dollar. These are the luxuries you get with the UFC when you try to be a quote company man. A short notice fight he took to save a card and bail out the UFC ultimately cost him an incredible amount of money. Roy Nelson's total salary for the UFC to date is 521000 in the last six years earning him an average of $86,883 per year. He headlined three cards in the last two years for the UFC, he has never fought anyone outside the top ten or legends since that 0% raise he received. Let me say that again. He headlined three cards in his last two UFC. He has never fought anyone outside of the top ten or a legend in the case of uh, Noguera, but I think he was still top ten. Uh, or anybody, uh, or legend since the 0% race increase. 
He never pulled out of a fight in his entire UFC career and has one of the biggest fan followings in the entire sport of MMA. A 39-year-old man who's competed in front of thousands of fans live in millions of home has only earned a fraction of what he could have, all because of trying to help out the UFC. So that's the whole article. Um, there's another article, and I, uh, uh, while, while we're talking later, I'll try and look it up. And it has a breakdown of percentages that you are giving to people and money that you're spending on stuff out of what you win. So, uh, they were, they were, they did it as a, uh, they were showing a $20,000, um, a $20,000 show. So you're making $20,000 on this card and what you end up taking home is about 5,000 bucks after you spend money on your gym, your trainers, your nutritionist, your manager, um, Wait, wait. Roy Nelson has a nutritionist. <laughs> I'm not saying Roy Nelson. I'm just saying there's another completely yeah, separate. There's know. a completely separate article uh, that okay. gives a breakdown of all this stuff. So, and and but that, that, I think that here's the thing. And, and I'm and I'm I'm not. And I didn't read the articles. I, I'm just hearing you read them through uh, the ma- the magic of cell phone skyping, but. Things are a little bit, things are different now because the UFC previously, and I'm, I'm sure the last time that a contract was negotiated with Nelson, one thing that the UFC did back in the days they had sponsors is that they would factor in the sponsorship money that they were getting into their deal. Well, if you do it, you're fighting in the main event, you're going to make more money on these sponsors. You're going to be right. this and And now they don't. So they have, like, for instance, Sage Northcutt has never been a part of the pre-sponsorship world of UFC. So right. his money, he's, he's not getting that. And re- regardless of how much appeal he has, he's still getting the same that a guy like Mickey Gall, who's made his debut this weekend, is getting from Reebok. Unless you have a separate sponsorship deal, which now Northcutt does because of his uh, appeal, I think, on the YouTube Sensation status, teen boy idol. Um, so like the, the money is, is always going to be a little bit different. But I agree with you. Roy Nelson has done fun for this company and the, for the UFC and deserves to get paid more. He's always going to have that contract. Even though he's won one of his last five fights, he's not going to get cut because he's an exciting fighter. Right. He's a compelling star. He's an ambassador. I mean, this is his first time this weekend will be his first time fighting in Vegas in like five years. He's always going to Japan or traveling around. I mean, he's also making separate money when they did the the road to UFC, which is essentially tough Tokyo, even though it wasn't quite named that, the road to Japan. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, as we learn more about the changing ways of, of sponsorship and contract negotiations, I mean, these are... These are more things will become clear, and, and but right now, yeah, it's a real foggy time because it's, it's it's the changing of the guards. I mean, guys that used to make fifty thousand dollars a fight don't have that anymore because they don't have American ethanol across their crotch. They don't have the the opportunity Dude wipes. To, to plug their sponsors. <laughs> Dude wipes on the ass. Dude wipes. Uh, we, <laughs> but I, I mean, what I think about it is that it just, it kind of forces fighters to have to be more creative in 
how they approach things because the Re- the Reebok deal says you only have to wear Reebok official stuff basically for fight fight week, and that's mm-hmm. not even how, all how of fight week. The, how long is the Reebok deal in place with the UFC? It has a it has a shelf life. I think it's like six years or something. I think it's six years. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. I for one. Uh, We'll be glad when it's. I hope they don't renew it because I. I think it's. I don't think it's good for the sport. I. I think it's good for the UFC. I think it's good for the businessmen. And I don't think it's that good for the fighters, and I don't think it's that good for the sport because you're well, you're getting more people involved uh, when you have all these different sponsors. They have a vested interest in it. Now they're telling. Yeah, but they me, now they're some telling. Flaky motherfuckers that don't play. That don't pay the fighters as well. So, but yeah. Well, like I mean, it, like I can say, I think we've we've, we've teased this down the road. We're going to have a full, non-date specific episode. Yeah, yeah. And let's do that. We'll, we'll, we'll just talk about we'll just, it, and we'll get we'll, all the information and and the the biggest clips um, because of it, right. and, and, and sort of break it all down. Uh, in, in that way. I mean, we're kind of coming up on almost an hour now for podcast land. So is there anything else you want to touch on or should we? Uh, well, we haven't even, we haven't even talked about the tonight's fights. So well, we uh, can talk about that tomorrow. Why don't we talk about if we do this tomorrow to, to so kind we'll of talk about, up. so we'll talk about the results tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. All right. So well, I, let's, so, let's, but, uh, I mean, so, you want to do the? Let's do the first. Let's do the. We'll give our picks for the one, two, three, four. The first five, which I assume is the main card. I, I don't have. I, I'm on the Sure Dog page, so I don't have it broken down in cards. Um, okay. So I, what what I, I'm just going to go with the first four, which it, it might be. Uh, Josh Berkman, KJ Noons might be the main event of the of the. That is. That's the featured okay. prelim. So we'll do, so 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 we'll start with the featured prelim, and then we'll do the main card. Uh, but can we can we do one of the uh, fight pass prelims because oh, I just, sure. uh, basically I just want to ask you, you want to go Mickey Gall? <laughs> yeah, about... think Mickey Gall will defeat Mike Jackson and cash in that CM Punk golden ticket? Uh, I mean, I think that they're setting him up to Mike Jackson's a zero and zero record. God damn it, UFC! You know <laughs> he's a journalist. Fuck you, UFC! That pisses me off. You know what? It's a zero zero. Gets a one zero. You need to have experience to fight in the UFC. You should never be making your debut in the UFC ever under any circumstances. Not even if you're fucking CM Punk. Sorry, that's well, how I feel. That's how I've always felt about it. That's how I will. I'll never change how I feel about it. And fuck this guy, Mike Jackson, and fuck the UFC for an O and O. Mike, the truth. What's your truth? You've never had a fucking fight before? He doesn't even have... He has one amateur loss. Oh, you have an amateur loss. Sweet. Come come join the UFC. Sweet. I'm let's, picking him. Let's, I'm picking Mike Jackson to derail the Nicky Dolce and Pop. Well, you know what? You know what? I hope you're right. I hope you're yeah. right. I hope that he does. I hope it backfires on him for trying to fucking put a tomato can in there for Mickey Gall. So I hope it backfires on him. I'm with you. I'm calling. I I go Mike Jackson. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, now okay. okay. We say Cote is that the main event of Fox Sports One. 
Uh, so KJ Nunes versus Josh Berkman. Um, oh, Josh Berkman. I'm sorry. Josh Berkman fought Patrick Cote last time. I'm having flashbacks yeah, yeah. to Saskatoon. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Cote fought just like two weeks ago, too. Yeah, uh, that's why I'm, I'm all brain scrambled. Yes. Uh, but he fought another, uh, tough competitor, Ben Saunders. So that's, uh, I think, I'm oh, not yeah. sure if oh, Saunders. Yeah, we were there for that. Are, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if Saunders and, and Berkman might have been the same year. I'm not sure. Might have been the All same right. tough. Anyways, uh, I got Berkman. Um, okay. Um, I'm consulting my my picks, which are available if you want to call me out on anything. At Matt Kona on Twitter. Mm. I, I post them. And feel free. There's an open league called Just Search Animaniacs Podcast on the UFC Pick'em. And that is where... You can find my picks. Yeah, uh, but, he's got. He's he's a uh, o two and one in his last three fights in the UFC, which is his return since being cut in. Let's see here. He was cut in two thousand and eight. So he was cut in two thousand and eight, and he came back last year, two thousand fifteen. Uh, Fought Hector Lombard. Uh, I can't remember what happened in that fight, but it was overturned. I think he lost the fight. I think he lost the fight, and then they turned it over because of drugs or something. I don't remember. But then he okay. lost. Then he lost a submission and a TKO in his last two fights. So I'm saying that because Ber- Berkman's on the chopping block here, he's already been cut once by the UFC. They brought him back after uh, six years, and because he just got a nasty win streak. Since he left, he had, uh, let's see, one, two. Okay, I also have Berkman by decision. Uh, move on to the next okay. fight in the welterweight division. Spencer versus Pyle. I don't know much about either of these guys, so, uh, I went with the underdog. Uh, so this is the, this, you're, you're, you're going the wrong direction. Buddy, so. I'm working my way up the card. I don't know where the fuck you're always, you're always going against the grain, looking at sure dogs all shaken up, but, that's how the fight order goes. So the first fight on the main card on FS1 is Spencer versus Kai, uh, Pyle. Really? Huh. Right? No. The first fight on the main card? Hmm. I'm looking at the UFC's website. Okay. They, they, make, the, they make the order. Hmm. I don't even think that you have joined the, our, our fantasy league. I tried to. I tried to join our fantasy league, but the link that you sent me says it doesn't exist. I know, but I just, you gotta search it. Alright. I'll try it again. See, the next fight I have is Benavides versus Zach Makovsky. Yeah. Let's go with that one. I got (laughs) Benavides by decision. 91% picked him, 9% picked Makovsky, who's coming off a loss in his last fight. Against John Dodson. Yep, and I've got uh, I got Benavides and too. Benavides is he is the Mister Second Best in the division. He has lost to Mighty Mouse both times, and will he will he get another shot? Or I don't know. I I think it's a little bit too far down the line. But I, I think he beats Mikovsky. Um I'd say maybe a jump up to bantamweight for him. I mean, it's the the only three guys. He's also lost to Dominic Cruz as well. The only three guys that he's lost to in the last. The only three. He's only lost to three people, 
It's been... Uh, Cruz and Mighty Mouse and Mighty Mouse, right? Oh, he's only lost to two people. He lost to yeah. Cruz twice, and he lost to Mighty Mouse twice. Those are the only two people he's lost to in his entire MMA career. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Zach definitely bit off way more than he could chew here. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I don't know how Zach ended up with this fight coming off of a, a, a okay, loss. Okay, so I think we're in agreement for yeah, the yeah. first for the first three bouts that we chose. I know we're we're, we're arguing about the order <laughs> that they will happen in. Maybe we'll bet on what what the order of the fight is <laughs> later on the fight. A little, little bit of a side bet. <laughs> And then we got two guys whose names are very fun to say. Feijal Cavalcante against OSP Ovin St. Cruz. Coming off of his, his loss to Glover Teixeira back in Nashville a few mm. months ago. And I've got, uh, I've got Feijal. Ooh. All right. Well, that's the first time we differ. I got St. Right. Cruz. I think he's going to KO him in round one. Wow. All right, I think uh, you know I'm I'm here again uh, looking at Fei Zhao. He's he's got he's he's three and one in his last four fights. He's three one and one in his last four fights. He's got a no contest and a win against Projayek. But he lost. So how do you think he does it? Uh, I'm gonna say his best bet is gonna be Jits for sure. I think he's I think he can out Jits over in St. Peru. So if he can get him on the ground, uh, I think he's gonna. I think he's. That's gonna, how St. Peru lost his last fight. He got chucked out. He uh, went out. Did not tap. He, he got. He, he went to sleep. Yep. Uh, with his hometown fans. So. Okay. So all right, we got a little. Now we're working our way up. We got two more fights. The co-main event. Uh. The underpaid Roy Nelson taking on Jared Rochal, who's coming off uh, a win against the only under-30 fighter in the UFC, in the heavyweight division, rather, until John Jones moves up. Uh-huh. Uh, well, yeah. Really? Is that a real statistic? There's only... Stefan Struve yeah, the only... There's, there's one under... Uh, sorry, in the top 15 of the heavyweights. Oh, wow. There's one fighter under 30... And that's Stefan Struve. Crazy. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> and Rochelle made it look easy. I mean, he made it look like a, there was a formula to being, and obviously it's a completely different animal with Roy Nelson, who is not afraid to throw down, and he's not afraid to show his ground game, which does not happen very often. But before he knew that, before he kind of discovered that he had Mucko power on the Ultimate Fighter, he's it's been a long time black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, so Right. And he and he uh he beat Frank Mir in a in a BJJ match many moons ago in Las Vegas. Um I've got Nelson in this. I think he's gonna outwork him. I think um we've never really seen Nelson off his back, but it, i think he got taken down a couple times against Josh Barnett across five rounds, but yeah, but we never that was a mostly a dirty boxing occasion. Right, but he, we've never seen much of his guard work, is what I'm trying to get to. Right, okay. Um, so, I, I mean, Jared Rochelle... Do you think that is changes a, tonight? Do you think that that's how he does it? Maybe. Maybe we'll see him throw up a crazy triangle or something. <laughs> 
That'd be great. <laughs> okay, all right. I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see. I'd love to see. How it happens this time? <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. Here's what it is. I'm gonna say Roy Nelson by armbar. How do you like Ooh, that? I like it. How do you like like all that? Right. I'm gonna say I'm J- going Jared. Around. Jared's a wrestler, and he's he's got sick, crazy good takedowns. And I'm gonna say. He's gonna try, he's gonna, he's gonna shoot in, he's gonna get hit a couple times by Roy Nelson, he's not gonna like that. And he's gonna shoot yeah, in oh, for no, some, absolutely not. he's gonna shoot in, take him down, and then he's gonna get Roy Nelson on his back, and Roy Nelson's gonna, gonna swing a leg He'll over his head. Yeah, belt. he's gonna swing a leg over his head and take an arm home for lunch. So. Alright, okay, me. so we dip on that. I think that Roshop is gonna be clever and savvy enough to survive this and grind it out to a three-round submission. And now we get to the main event, the reason that we are watching it all for free on television, because the UFC doesn't think that Johnny Hendricks, Wonderboy Thompson, is worthy enough to headline a pay-per-view, at least. And they're right on that. I mean, Hendricks hasn't fought since losing his belt, uh, his welterweight title, to to Robbie Lawler. But this is it. Still, I think it, it, it could be an exciting main event. It could be a very boring main event. It could be Hendricks just trying to wrestle him and avoid the kickboxing of Wonder Boy across five rounds. Uh, what I do you think, think happens? I think that's how it happens. I think that. Yeah, I think Hendricks, think Hendricks by decision. I think Hendricks is going to grind it out. I think Hendricks is going to grind it out. Here's here's how I think it's going to happen. I think either Hendricks is going to grind it out or Thompson's going to knock him the fuck out. But okay. I, I yeah. don't, well, I, I don't think Hendricks is going to try and sit there and bang with him. Um, I think he's going to try and uncork that crazy left hand, and uh, and and see if he can knock him out. Um, and then I think when he starts getting hit by a couple of sneaky little weird spin kicks, or um, you know, he's got those, uh, he's got that uh, that switch he kick. He those. He is an expert kickboxer. Yeah. Wonderboy Thompson is. So you can do it from very many angles. So that's yep. going to be real important for the smaller wrestler to get in there and not give him that space to operate. Yeah, I think that I think Hendricks is going to have to close the distance and put pressure on him to keep to to keep Stephen Thompson's reach out of being a factor. Um, because I think once he gets once he gets uh, once he gets in range for Thompson, I think it's all Thompson. You know, if he if he stays on the outside and lets Thompson pick him apart, he's I think he's going to get knocked out. Um, but I think he's I think he's a savvy enough fighter. You know, I mean, the only people that he's lost to are uh, George St. Pierre, Robbie Lawler, and Rick Story. You know, those are his only yeah. losses. And uh, you know, also. Um, but you okay? So you're settling it with Hendricks by. I'm going to say Hendricks by decision. Yep. Okay. I'm got. I got. I got Wonder Boy, baby. Round three, head kick. He's gonna. Yeah. He's gonna do it. It might open the rounds. The only time you can close that distance is when you're coming across the octagon arm. I think that's how it goes. But go on. That's, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I think it's a real. No, I think that's a. It's a. It's a real pick'em for me. It's a real pick'em for me. This is a really tough fight to pick, but I'm. I'm I'm going with Hendricks. Uh I was I was at his first fight. Um I was at Hendricks's first fight which was in Philly and uh it was against um uh, Amir Sadala and it was uh Dan Mergliotta was the ref and it 
I felt like the match was stopped. Where it was 29 seconds of the first round, and I was a big Amir Sadala fan. Um, mm. You know, I really liked him on the Ultimate Fighter, and so I was rooting for him. I didn't know I didn't know Hendricks because it was his first fight in the UFC, so I was screaming. I talked about this last night with Kevin McDonald on the interview that doesn't exist anymore because they shut the power off. <laughs> but you mean in the pre-interview? Yeah. To our <laughs> upcoming full interview. That's right. That's right. The uh, yeah. the 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 interview for the interview. Um, I, was ta- I was telling him about this and. Uh, I was yelling, <laughs> yelling obscenities at Dan Mergliata, um, cause we were talking about, uh, you know, making mistakes and getting things wrong. And, you know, I, I really want to dig into that when I talk to him. Like, um, Oh yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what he thinks about it. Like any times he felt like he has made a mistake that he would own up to. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, I don't know what my point was. My point was I've watched uh, his entire career. I was at his first fight. <laughs> your point was you, you, you've, you've, you've seen his his first and now most recent fights right. uh, of Johnny <laughs> Hendricks. So that's your boy. Uh, personally, I think Wonder Boy is going to put him out of business like it was a big rig steakhouse in Texas. That's a real good possibility, man. I, I'm a big fan of both these guys. I think Wonder Boy is great. It's a total pick em for me. It could go either way for me. Uh, well, I but, like this. We, we we began our tech segment spot on. I think we were three for three on the same page, yep. and then we ended it on opposite end. So I would call this an an Eminemaniac split decision. All right, we'll do I it. like it. Now I'm gonna awesome. go. I'm gonna go do my actual picks on the UFC <laughs> fantasy, and I'll, we'll see if they match up. <laughs> we'll see if I, I can remember so. I what the. We'll see if we can remember what the hell I said in the last five minutes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, see if you're if you're giving so, yourself enough credit. So I don't right, know. Nick, well, I don't know if I'm, I'm gonna... really. Uh, I'm really looking forward to listening to your uh, conversation uh, for the interview segment. So yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, to, I'll I'll hang up and I'll I'll take my questions off air. So why don't you click it off? <laughs> so we have. I, I didn't. I I meant to talk to you about this on the phone. I think I don't know if we resolved it or not. But there is about a ten minute or a 50-minute segment before our last when we had Paul Landwehr, and we were really punchy and silly. And yes. there was a lot of laughter, and there's some really funny stuff in it. But I was thinking of... of, uh, of uh, yeah, I'm all for blooper reels. All right, I'm going to release the blooper reel before I release this podcast. Um, right. So I'll release that. It's all set up. I already have it all edited, so... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll set that, I'll, I'll click that, I'll click that off as soon as, click it off. I want to click that thing right off as soon as we hang up here. And this is our first call and I'm excited that we, uh, that this worked out because now I know that we can, you know, get call-ins from whoever, any fighters anywhere. Oh, so, so yeah, great. All right. Well, this is, uh, MMAniacs, uh, Semi signing off. The next thing you're going to hear is the interview with uh, Ran- uh, Ryan, Ryan, Couture. Ryan Couture. Yeah, I was, kept, I was trying awesome. to say Randy, but Ryan Couture. Yep, such a surprise, such a neat surprise. So here awesome. it is, Ryan Couture. So we're welcoming Ryan Couture here to the MMA Maniacs podcast. That's who's talking to us right now. Yo. Nice to meet you, too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for coming over and saying hi. My pleasure. And uh, 
So we wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, do you know of any fights that you have coming up? I know you just you just fought. So yeah, no idea what's next for me. That was uh, probably the worst one ever last week. So taking some yeah. time off to to recover and and see what's next. Yeah, yeah. You looked like you were doing pretty well up until that. Yeah, I had some good things going for me, but uh, you know, Patricky just had my number. He hits hard. He's got that reputation for a reason. So we knew going in that was what to watch out for, and it didn't go my way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't wait to see you back in there again. I'm a big fan. Your your submission game is on point, and it's uh, you know, it's it's really it's really interesting to see how you've evolved as a fighter in comparison to your father. Yeah, you know, yeah. two very different fighters. I feel like the more the more that I do it, the more I start to try to pick up and and uh, incorporate some of his tricks and some of his clinch work. But I'll definitely always be more submission minded. That's that's been my go to from day one. He was my, I'll tell you what, the, the, when he became my favorite fighter of all time was when, he, was when he fought, uh, Vitor Belfort and he outboxed the yeah. baddest boxer that the UFC had ever seen. And he got in there and outboxed this guy that was annihilating everyone. And I went, he was the first guy I had, I had seen cause I'm a wrestler. Yeah. And, so I followed all the wrestlers, but the one thing that bothered me about wrestlers was they were all one-dimensional. Everybody yep. up until him was a wrestler, and they relied 100% on that. Yeah. Which is, you can in a lot of situations. Yeah, you can. especially if you're good enough at it. Exactly. That's how I got through high school was being a wrestler. <laughs> That's how I got through without getting my ass kicked as being a wrestler. Yep. But if in MMA, you have to, you have to be more than that. Absolutely. And he was the first guy that I saw that really started incorporating a lot of stuff. You know, he figured out that if you make a guy wrestle long enough, he'll get tired, and then he'll make you look better than you really are at everything else. Yeah, most definitely. And he was the first real game. gamer. Like he was a real thinker about. Yep. He had strategies, and you know, he was he was my first, and I, he's still my favorite fighter of all time. So, <laughs> well, we have that in common. Yeah. I'll yeah. Throw all that out the window. My mom has the biggest crush on him. <laughs> she would never talk about any other guy besides Randy like that. Uh, she doesn't give awesome. a shit about MMA, but she would be like, I love that guy. She had a picture of him on her desk at work. <laughs> like, oh my God, ladies. That's hysterical. But I, so having said all that, I love seeing your guard work. Ah, you know? thank you. I love seeing how you have, you've taken aspects from all different points of MMA and your submission game and your guard work is so spot on man that jiu jitsu was my gateway in MMA that was what I started with first and and uh, you know obviously I wrestled in high school but when I when I went back to training later in life jiu jitsu is where I started so I always had love for the guard the triangle choke still my favorite submission so yeah yeah um, obviously I don't know how dude was getting out was not submitting uh, he got caught in like seven triangles yeah, just was now in that crazy. fight I don't know how he was still breathing it was nuts because he was not doing anything right to defend the triangle no, he gave up the angle, let so, it get sunk deep, and then deep, and then somehow was weaseling out of every single one. I don't know. So Nick, the the, the gentleman who you replaced, he was supposed to fight here tonight for oh, okay. for a, a title, and his his opponent had to back out. That's but a he was saying that um, his he he thought like possibly his legs were just so long that there's so much space. There's so much space in there yeah. that maybe it was just because his legs were so long, he just wasn't able to. But I. I mean, just watching him, he's so confident in it. He pulled guard right off the bat. 
Yep. So he must be nailing people with triangles all day long. Yeah. A lot gym. of times, uh, a lot of times, once you get in there and the adrenaline gets going, some of your technique gets a little sloppier than it is at the gym, and like oh, the for you sure. know something mu- something bit. must have not been quite lined up. That guy looked like he had really flexible shoulders too. You yeah. kept seeing his shoulder and his tricep start to peek out the back door, and then yeah, that was yeah. how he was slipping out. So something wasn't quite locked, but. Do you think the hair played a factor at all? It could have, possibly, yeah. So have you ever experienced that with guys with maybe dreads or long, bushy beards hair where they're able to slip out of things where normally somebody else might not be able to? Uh, occasionally, yeah. I get, get a guy with, you know, the long hair or the beard, whatever, or, or even just a guy with stocky, no neck that, uh, yeah. you know, everybody else you can light up That's with the rear naked choke or the, uh, or the triangle choke, and they just kind of shrug their shoulders and you can't do anything yeah, to them. That's, so. that's, 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 that's my specialty, too, is that I, <laughs> a lot of guys have trouble choking me. It's a stupid thing to be good at, but I give my back up a lot. So I try for other things when yep. people have my back, so I give up my back a lot because I'm hard to choke, and even, even higher belts I give up my back a lot, too. Because, well, uh, hell, you got a guy like David Loazzo that made a career off of giving up his back. So, you're right. You're you know, right. Once you figure out how to the how to work pro. through it, then uh, then you can be dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So, Ryan, just a little history. I know, obviously, Randy Couture is your dad, right? Yep. That kind of spawned the whole thing. Did you start getting into wrestling because of him kind of turning you that corner? Did you kind of want to go into it yourself, looking up to him as your father figure? Did you just do it independently and kind of wanted to... Get in there just because you had a much respect for the sport. How'd that work? You get into the game yourself. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in wrestling rooms as a kid because he was obviously always training, and my sister and I would just tag along with him. Mom was at work, so we'd go to the gym with Dad and, and find ways to entertain ourselves there. Uh, so I think that was a big influence on me. But uh, going into junior high, I tried out for the basketball team, and I didn't make it because I'm a terrible basketball player. And uh, Welcome to the club. <laughs> so I was like, well, I still want to play a sport. I'll go out for wrestling, and then I fell in love with it. So Awesome. I'm so glad that you didn't make the basketball team. I imagine that. Right? <laughs> me too. Me too. I don't. I don't think you would be doing well as well in basketball right now as oh. you're doing in MMA. God no, that was ugly. So, since you have a really strong wrestling base, since you have a really strong wrestling base, focus more on your striking. Or are you still trying to kind of get that balance going on? Because I hear a lot of people go. Oh, my wrestling jiu-jitsu is good. I'm going to focus on my striking a lot more. And then sometimes it looks like they lack the other side when they finally get in the ring. What do you no, kind of put I'm, the focus on? I've spent years trying to develop a striking game. It doesn't come as naturally to me as grappling does. So, you know, I've had to put a lot of work in there just to kind of get up to enough to get by. But I'm never going to be a knockout artist or a striker. So I spend most of my time now focusing on putting everything together and kind of those transitions from striking to clinch work to wrestling to grappling and I think if you could be sharper there, you've seen guys like Frankie Edgar, who's not the best in the world at any one thing, but he puts it all together so well, he's Definitely. always a step ahead. Absolutely. You know, I try yeah. and focus on that transitional game and on uh, really sharpening up the tools that come naturally to me and, and making them more effective by rounding them out with everything else. Create those openings, use the striking to get the takedown, to get exactly. the control. Yeah. Love it. That's the way to be. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. Well, I... They're about ready to start the main event here, and I think we're all going to watch it. Do you? You can. You're welcome to sit here and call it with us if you want. Oh, I'm good. Yeah, I'll leave that you to the professionals. I'm no good at calling fights. All right, but, uh, my man. It's good talking with you guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, it's great to be out here on the East Coast and uh, teaching what a, a nice seminar surprise. tomorrow. Looking forward to it. I, I heard, where are you teaching a seminar? We're going to be over at uh, Defensive Edge in Wakefield. Uh, a couple of buddies of ours. Uh, 
Uh, Kurt Daniels and uh, and James Parker fought on the undercard tonight. Oh, a couple okay. amateurs. Yeah, yeah. Kurt flew us out and and set up the seminar for us. So we'll be out there. Uh, me and uh, Tim Lane, kickboxing world champ, and and has been my striking coach for years. Oh no! Uh, shit. We're gonna we're gonna team up and do a seminar out there tomorrow afternoon. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Very cool. Yeah, I was very excited. I I heard him say your name when the the, the announcer was in the ring, and I yeah. went, wait a wait a second. That's- Right. That's Ryan Couture in the ring right there. What the hell's he doing here? I was like, what the hell's he doing here at this? <laughs> so, thank you so much for coming over and talking with us, my man. It thank was a you. pleasure to meet you. It's good talking with you guys. Hey, Have a great night. You. It was a pleasure, man. It was a pleasure. The MMAniacs podcast brought to you by Team Link of Hookset, New Hampshire. They're located at 1338 Hookset Road in Hookset, and their phone number is 603-641-3444. Their website is www.teamlinkhooksetnh.com. Uh, I've been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about 20 years, and for the last four years I've been training at Team Link, and it's one of the best schools I've ever trained at. Um, there's a lot of great instructors over there. There's no knuckleheads whatsoever. A lot of people there that are trying to help you get better at whatever it is that you want to study. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, karate, whatever it is that you want to study for martial arts, they've got somebody there to teach you the right way to do it. Uh, so if you go there, you tell them that the MMAniacs podcast sent you. They'll give you a free T-shirt and 30 free days to try out the school. Uh, again, their phone number is 603-641-3444, and their website is teamlinkhooksetnh.com.